Welcome back to DPT to CEO, the podcast where I, Dr. Morgan Meese, PT, owner of The Well Physio, a cash-based physical therapy practice I started in 2019, share with you as much as I can on how to successfully start, launch, and grow your own solo practice. Whether you're brand new and just thinking about getting started, or whether you're currently working with a full caseload of your very own patients, this podcast is for you. And of course, if you'd like more help, you can find all the resources on my website at morganmeese.com and connect with me on Instagram at Dr. Morgan Meese. If you're ready, let's dive in. All right, everybody, welcome to another installment of the world famous uh, DPT to CEO podcast, <laughs> um, where we've been doing an interview series with other uh, cash practice owners and other entrepreneurs. Um, and I think it's been a few weeks since our last interview on our last live here in the group. Um, so, you know, anybody who's able to catch this live, if you have any questions, please feel free to comment below or if you're watching replay, be cool as well. Um, and so tonight we have our very special guest, Jeff Bitter. Um, and we've been friends now for like, like almost two years, like year and a half. Really? Yeah. We've known each other for a while. Um, which is cool. I didn't know it was that long. Very I know. Cool. Very cool. I know. And like, sometimes I feel like this is like weird, but sometimes I'm like, I have so many friends that I just like met on the internet <laughs> like across the country. New way to meet. Yeah. Um, and so tonight we are going to interview Jeff. Um, we are going to learn all about him and his practice. Uh, so without further ado, Jeff, if you don't mind um, telling yeah. us a little bit about like your background and you know, sure. what led you to do what you do now. Yeah. Well, first of all, Morgan, thanks for having me on. And I love the interview series that you're doing. I could listen to uh, PT owners uh, talk all day <laughs> uh, that are not myself. <laughs> Um, but uh, thanks for having me on. My name is Jeff. Um, I'm a physical therapist from Chicago. Uh, I have owned a pra uh, my practice or started my practice about five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess that's the quick and dirty of it. Uh, I've been a PT for a little over 10 years now, I believe. Um, went to University of Iowa worked in multiple settings uh, for about eight years or so prior to starting my business. And then I uh, started my business as a side hustle, uh, cash in home practice uh, in downtown Chicago, and have been kind of obsessed with all of the content in the cash PT space and all the books in the cash PT space and learning from people like Morgan and uh, other cash PT owners uh, pretty much every day for the last five years. And I guess fast forward to now, I'm uh, starting to kind of build a team and continue to grow my business every year. And I guess my goal is to just uh, see progress every year. And I've been able to do that for five and I'm trying to keep it, keep the ball rolling. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. You know, and I, I feel like there's been like so many, you know, based on what you've told me, like there've been like a lot of ups and downs, like in, in the past five years, you know, sure. and kind of leading up to your practice. And before we talk about all of that stuff, I guess like, um, you know, for anybody who isn't familiar with custom mm -hmm. fit concierge, can you describe your like practice model and like the way that you deliver care? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back to my previous background, I've, I kind of, uh, 
started off in outpatient orthopedics and kind of got my feet wet that way as a staff PT for about two years and then ended up early in my career managing a clinic for a large uh, outpatient company uh, and kind of got burnt out and with the kind of churn and burn model and decided to leave that practice with the goal being uh, become a really good manual therapist and kind of go the manual therapy certification route. So I ended up going on with a small kind of hands more hands-on uh, private practice owned by another therapist that was really good manual therapist and kind of felt like I really developed my skill set, got confident with treating, you know, myriad of diagnoses in the outpatient space. Uh, while I was doing that, I did home health rehab. That was more kind of geriatric and total joints and got used to going into people's homes and treating in that sort of environment. And actually, while I was doing both, realized that my own personal preference was going into people's homes. I loved the getting out of the clinic aspect of it and being in the environment, uh, you know, where the patient lives. And I felt like that was the most effective way of getting someone better. So I really enjoyed that process. Um, however, like most of us, I didn't love the paperwork and kind of the other things that you had to do at a, as a PT that didn't involve patient care. I just kind of wanted to be able to do that. So uh, around that time, three or four years into that kind of combination of doing those two things, uh, I got turned on to the cash PT model that I can't even remember exactly how, but I learned of it somehow, I think scrolling Facebook and something like that and came on to I believe like some podcasts uh, with some people in the space that have been doing it for a while and started listening to a podcast while I was in between patients and stuff like that and learned of this other world that was kind of new at the time that involved no insurance and involved, you know, focusing on treating one-on-one -on -one and giving really good care to really good people. And I was kind of learned about that and figured out like, oh my gosh, like this is, I think this is my jam. Uh, so once I, learned of it. I kind of, like I said, got obsessed with learning more and learning more and learning more and then got to the point where I was like, okay, I think I can actually do this. So I started uh, Custom Fit Concierge, um, like I said, five years ago, in addition to those two jobs and just did it on a very small scale at the beginning. And the idea for my perspective was uh, to have low risk and kind of dabble in it to make sure that I could handle it. And I did like it like I thought I would. So I started just taking essentially private clients inside of their homes in downtown Chicago and kind of treating a myriad of diagnosis with the skills that I had accumulated, you know, with my other jobs prior to that. And I loved it. It was I was finally kind of in this environment where I felt like I could really do the best thing for the person in front of me. And there was no other barriers to that. Um, and, uh, from a business perspective, I really loved the kind of clean, low overhead, kind of low risk model. Um, so from there, I, I kind of started to think, okay, could I really do this full time for myself? Could I replace the income of my other jobs? Uh, is this actually feasible to be my full-time job? And I kind of just started baby steps of that month over month, trying to get more patience and get closer to saving up enough money to kind of get rid of my other jobs and, and jump full into it. And about, I think, six months into it or something like that, I was seeing 10, 10 to 15 patients a week uh, on the side of some other jobs. I kind of basically backed down my home health job, but I kept my outpatient job for a little while and did the side hustle until it got to be too much to manage. And 
saved all the money that I was making in the business to be able to make the jump. And then six months in, quit my other stuff and kind of focused on that 100% of my time. And for some reason, the same week also like moved and bought two puppies and did a lot of other crazy things in my life. (laughs) It was an interesting month, (laughs) but uh, four and a half years later, it, um, it was the best thing, best decision that I've made. And I really enjoy, uh, I never thought of myself prior to that risk taking experience of, of a business as a business owner, or I never really was going through PT school thinking that I wanted to have my own practice or start my own practice. I never really thought that was going to be my thing until I learned of this type of way of doing it that I felt mm-hmm. way more confident with. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, never looked back, I guess now, uh, four years later and four and a half years later, since I started full time, um, I've taken on an admin employee that's been with me for about four years now. And then I've started to accumulate other physical therapists like myself over the years. And we're currently um, six full-time PTs, including myself and Susan, our admin that's been with me for four years. And we have no clinic uh, and no office and Susan works out of her home. And the six of us run around Chicago in our cars with treatment tables and equipment and treat people in their homes. And, I love it. I think the other five love it as well. Uh, so yeah, we're happy doing it that way. And we've met a lot of amazing people like Morgan and doctor referral sources. And I've learned a lot of stuff along the way. So yeah, I like, I feel like I always come back to this thing of like starting your own practice is just like, it's so much more than like just starting a business, you know? Like you end up getting so much more out of it, like you said, and like meeting a lot of people and doing things that you never really would see yourself doing, um, which is really cool. That is cool. Um, And so I guess like while we're kind of, you know, sort of reminiscing about the past and getting started, um, question that I have for you, and I know like a lot of people who are, you know, like on the fence about starting, um, you know, they have a bunch of worries about a variety of things. Mm -hmm. Do you remember... Like before you got started, what you what you were worried about, if you had any like fears related to like starting a business um, and like how did you kind of um, overcome those barriers? Yeah, for me, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is student loan debt. Like, I, I, you know, I got out of PT school and had a lot of student loan debt that I didn't quite understand as being in school and being young and kind of how that would affect your life and yeah. your finances and whatnot. So I uh, in going through the process, I decided once I was out of school to pay off my debt as quickly as possible. So I, uh, basically worked really hard to make as much money as I could working for other people to pay my debt off. And I decided at the time that I wasn't comfortable taking another risk in my life with a business until my debt was gone, which I don't know if that's the right way to think about it or not, but for me, at least like I needed to be comfortable doing something else that involved risk um, getting rid of my debt. Um, Mm -hmm. so for me, once I paid off the debt, it kind of gave me like a mental springboard to be able to be like, okay, I'm like at square zero now. And this little micro risk of starting my own practice very slowly seemed like a good option to me because I didn't, my fear was, uh, I guess being in debt again, or like having it not work out from a financial perspective and being able to provide for my family. Like I would imagine that's a lot of people's fear. But, uh, and that's the reason that I decided to do it without a clinic and to do it like a kind of low overhead 
low risk model at the beginning because I wanted to be able to be confident to know that it wasn't that risky to do <laughs> essentially yeah. because I was fed up with the fact that I had paid so much money in student <laughs> loan debt at the time. So I didn't want to be back in a bad financial position ever again. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's definitely like a big motivator. And, you know, for you, it was like, hurry up, you know, pay off all this debt so that you can do other things with your life and like not mm -hmm. have to worry about it. And, you know, I think that that could also be like a motivating factor to start a business or at least like a side hustle because then you can like you know do this on the side and put all the extra money towards student loan debt um yeah. uh so that's always an idea too for every everybody listening um well cool yeah and i think like a lot of us have very similar fears and i guess that would be something that i would want to pass to everybody who's listening is that you know you're not alone with whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're worrying about, um, you know, whether it's like finances or did you ever struggle with imposter syndrome, Jeff? Yes, definitely. I Tell mean, us about that. Uh, so when it, can you like define what you, your version of imposter syndrome is? Yeah. Um, so a so, lot of, sorry, what? I've heard different ways of thinking about it, I guess. Yeah. Um, I guess the way that like I hear it most often and like what I've struggled with too is like when I first got started, when other therapists were, first get started, like the first thought is um, kind of like, like, who am I to do this? Who am I to run my own practice? Yeah. You know, like I've only been out of school for a year. I've only been out of school for five years. I've only been training for 10 years. You know, like who am I to start a practice? Um, you know, and then like, who am I to charge money? for my services, mm -hmm. you know, and like, who's going to pay you that kind of thing. It's like really yeah. big. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like I described before, like I never, it was never really in my brain to be someone who was like, oh yeah, I'm going to start my own business. I'm going through PT school so that I can start my own practice. Like yeah. when I was working for other people also, I was also like, Ooh, I don't think I could see myself doing that or doing that or doing that. Like, I didn't think there was like a, a pathway for me to be, a traditional physical therapy through insurance clinic owner type person. Um, but I think the, the two things that gave me the confidence to know that I've, or gave me the confidence to get past the imposter syndrome, if you want to call it that of yeah. being fearful about starting my own practice were one paying off the debt. Like I would, it made me feel like I was under control of uh, mm. you know, my life, my destiny a little bit yeah. uh, and getting over the, you know, like some people have the mentality of things that are just happening to them, like they can't control them, but yeah. being able to pay off this mountain of debt and like just put in the work over a long period of time and see a result mm -hmm. gave me a bit to overcome the imposter syndrome to show myself that I could control like a really hard variable and have success with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then I guess the second one was because I was in the home treating through another business, like in a traditional um, in home setting, I started to get like requests of like, like I was taking good care of people. So mm -hmm. people would ask, you know, oh, can I pay you privately, like to continue to treat me? Like I saw that there was like some interest, which yeah. gave me confidence to know, oh, these people are willing to like go outside insurance and pay for my skill set. And mm -hmm. so it, gave, it kind of gave me validation mm -hmm. um, because there was actually some interest in that from the patients that I was seeing through another business. So those two things I think helped with my yeah. confidence. Sure. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that's why I like also always tell people to, you know, read, like 
get your LLC because people are going to ask if you can see them privately, you know, so you got to be ready. Um, But yeah, and I think like, you know, not not everybody has the experience of like going into a home patients, but um, you know, like there are going to be people when you tell them that you're starting your own practice or that you're seeing patients privately, people Mm -hmm. are going to ask, you know, like for you to come and see them, whether you've seen them before or not. Um, you know, and I, if you're good at what you do, (laughs) yes. And if you're not, then they're not going to come back. Yeah. Early in my career, early in my career, no one was asking. (laughs) I did not know what I was doing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, well, then that would probably be a good signal, you know, like you said, for you to start looking into it when, the day when somebody asks, then <laughs> go for it. It's a good sign. It's a good sign that you've turned a corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and another question that I was curious about, um, being a mobile practice and being, pro- I mean, you're probably like the biggest mobile practice that I know of. Usually, you know, it's only, it's like one person, two therapists or like a therapist assistant. Um I don't personally know like multi-clinical practices. Mm-hmm. And so like in this process of growing a mobile practice, I guess my question is, did you like learn anything about being like a mobile provider that surprised you? Oof, that's a good one. Um, uh, <laughs> I immediately go to comedy here. <laughs> uh, one thing that surprised me is, uh, I think that someone who's never treated in the home before would always ask the question of like, how do you have the space and how do you have the equipment and blah, 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 blah. So one thing that surprised me is literally you can do a PT visit anywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Surprising. I've done it outside in backyards, in closets, in kitchens, in bedrooms, in bathrooms, in like literally anywhere that has Mm -hmm. a floor, like you can do a, really effective physical therapy visit. And I think most physical therapists that have been around for a little while probably would understand that they could be effective anywhere. But I think that sometimes is a barrier for someone's thinking of like, oh, in the home, like, what are you going to do? Like, I don't have the clinic with all my equipment and all of this or this or this or this. And I guess that was a surprising thing for me was how how much you could do with very minimal equipment. Yeah. 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 And like a lot of it too is... Um talking, I feel like I talk a lot more now with my patients than I did like in the like outpatient clinic, Um, you know, like really just like exploring like your lifestyle and like your habits and like, are there things that we can change to help support like your physical recovery? Um, And like being in somebody's home, like what's a more like perfect functional gym, to be honest, (laughs) you know, to have them. I would say to like the the personal connection you make with your patients, like in a clinic, Mm -hmm. If, you know, you, we've all had those patients that you've been treating for a while that you feel very connected to that come to see you in the clinic. It's an even deeper and sometimes more personal and sometimes overly personal experience. <laughs> to, you know, you, you, you're going into their home on a regular basis for sometimes long periods of time. Yeah. Um, so you get to the point where you feel like you're family with some of your patients. And yeah, I like that because, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's another extra layer, layer of trust and they you know, send their family to you and they, they come back to you for multiple injuries and stuff like that, um, even more so than they would if you were in a clinic. 
Yeah, it like it just it makes a much bigger difference, I think, you know, than we really expect, you know, like if I were the patient and I had a provider, you know, that first name basis with like, I can text you and tell you like, oh, you know, I hurt my knee or whatever. Like, when can you see me? It's, it's really cool to have that relationship with patients. Um, So we have a comment here question. um, If you can see that, what would be the minimal equipment that you would need as a mobile provider? Unless higher stakes on this, what is your like desert island equipment that you would take as a mobile (laughs) practitioner? You get one thing. Well, well, to answer her question or he or her question directly, uh, I would say I would need no equipment (laughs) at all. (laughs) I mean, seriously, like if you, if I, if I have someone on the edge of a bed, you know, with stairs in the house, Mm -hmm. my hands, like I could deliver a pretty good, I mean, I would be confident to deliver value, you know, to a lot, most patients, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, But the desert Island question, uh, I'm very tall and awkwardly and have an awkward body shape. So (laughs) reading at the edge of a small bed would be really debilitating for myself. So having a treatment table that I've adjusted to my proper height that most of my patients can't can't get on (laughs) without a step stool or me lifting them. That would probably be number one because I do a lot of manual. I do manual therapy with most patients that I see and to have a table that's adjusted to my height would be probably number one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, after that, when, when it comes to exercise equipment, uh, I love I love the BOSU and the Arix pad. Like I just yeah. do. A lot. I think I, a lot can be accomplished with those two things yeah. exercise wise. Um, I use I bring an Arix pad in with almost every patient because I if you can imagine like not being in a clinic without a rolling stool and without a table that goes up and down. Like, so I use the Eric's pad to kneel on a lot uh, because I'm doing visits on hardwood floors or tile floors or whatever surface that I'm on. So that's Mm -hmm. the Eric's pad is a really, really a saver for more so for me probably exercises with patients, but the table adjusted to my height in the Eric's pad would probably be two necessities. That's good to know. I think like those are definitely like really good things to consider is like, it's not just like what the patient might need, but like, how are you going to make it through a whatever 14 hour day driving around Chicago, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and still make it home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder my, my first thought is like, I would need like a notebook and a pen because if I don't have something to write everything down on, really? I'm going to forget everything by the end of the day. Because <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Okay. So, uh, uh, so I remember this is kind of off topic, but a random story that it made me think of. So when I was in PT school on one of my clinical rotations, I always remember this. I shadowed this, older female PT that was like in her sixties and Mm -hmm. she was doing inpatient rehab in a hospital. And she had been at the same hospital, like as a PT doing this rehab for like 40 years. And I I just remember like trying to keep up with her, like following her around. Like she was fit, like in very good at her job and very into it. And we were just going like room to room to room. We're seeing people with all these different surgeries, different names. We're doing all this exercise, all this stuff, like 12 patients in a row all day long without like sitting down. And then I remember her and I like sitting down in the office to do the like treatment notes at the end of the day. And she would literally regurgitate literally every set, every rep, every, you know, right, left, every literally every distance that someone walked, every stair training, 
she just had it down like pat and would do the notes in like 15 minutes. And I remember sitting there as a, you know, new grad that has never worked before just being like, what is going on here? Like, how <laughs> is this woman doing this? Like, insane. like she has to be super, uh, superhuman. Like, because I couldn't remember anything from what we did. <laughs> but I guess my point is once you do th something every day for five years, like you get really good at remembering yeah. all that stuff. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> five yeah. years later, then I look back on that. And I'm like, oh, now that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> like now, now I can understand how at least you remembered like half of the things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The mobile practice does bring another layer to it because you have to remember where people live and where to park. And, you know, there's in the city, like, as mm -hmm. you might imagine, that that's a, ch a challenging aspect of this type of practice as well. But for some reason, like some people hate it um, and it's definitely not for everyone, but for some reason i just like being outside and like having the variability of it mm -hmm. and i like the challenge of like trying to navigate around and be on time all day for some reason <laughs> it's just like your own like self-competition kind of yeah i don't know it's for some reason it like i like that aspect of it <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome yeah no i i totally get it and like that's something i really liked about home health too you know is just like you know your schedule and you can you know change your environment a lot like like mm -hmm. you said the variability um something else that i learned too is to pay attention to like where in the city people are when you go to schedule them so yeah, that you're not cute. like crisscross zigzagging all over the place that you live in um it's a bad idea yeah 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 i've been there i still have days like that for sure because yeah us as PTs are always willing to go the extra mile for our patients usually. So it's hard to, you know, someone that wants to pay you and treat you or to pay you to see them. Uh, it's hard to say, Oh no, I'm not going to drive the extra 15 minutes. I to know. Come to you, you know? <laughs> so, but it's, there is again, another layer of skills that you kind of have to develop to be able to optimally navigate through a schedule and schedule your patients in a way that's, uh, manageable for you from a transportation perspective and some days work out really well and other days don't and mm -hmm. now that I have other PTs that I'm trying to teach and train how to do this as well I'm noticing that you know it just takes time and reps to do that yeah. as well and again there's only one way to learn and kind of to jump in and do it and you get better with it every day and as yeah. long as you hire people that are willing to accept that challenge um, you know, they surprisingly get better at it very quickly. So yeah. I just wanted to go back to that question from that Facebook user because yeah. that's what equipment you would need just to finish that answer so that person understands what exactly I actually bring in every day. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I've developed kind of, I have a backpack that's basically full of table cleaning supplies, bands, mobilization belts, mobilization wedges, uh, stretch out strap, foldable hurdles for balance exercises, uh, myriad of different things. I have like a Theragun and like some random stuff that I use sometimes in my, in a backpack that I carry in to almost every patient. And then I have the Eric's pad, a rocker board and a BOSU ball, usually like in my car that I can kind of select depending on who I'm seeing. And then I have a fold up treatment table that I've I probably bought 20 to 25 different treatment tables over the years, but I've found one that is relatively light. That's a little smaller and 
narrower that's easier to get out of cars and easier to transport that has a handle on the top uh that only costs about 90 dollars, i believe do you know what like what brand it is it's some weird like off brand that but like i bought some of the ones that are more expensive and they're mm-hmm. usually too big and bulky and heavy and not as user friendly but if someone wants the link to that table I yeah. can see because it is it does make a difference but that's about yeah. the equipment that i bring in cool mm-hmm. yeah and i think yeah because i think a lot of people ask like what kind of table to bring and i mean mm-hmm. mine that i got um yeah it was like 80 dollars on amazon i think and i still it's almost three years old i think yeah um still kicking hasn't yep. cracked yet <laughs> yep. surprisingly, um, surprisingly durable and yeah easy, easy to maneuver in my experience but i think yeah. another another interesting part too is like the type of people that we tend to treat a lot of them have home gyms extensive mm-hmm. equipment in their home or live in a building in the city that has you know a really good gym space that we can utilize so there's a lot of patients that have access to you know facilities that we don't pay to use that they have mm-hmm. access to that we do our sessions in which is always nice yeah that was something that surprised me too at the apartment complex i used to live in like they had a gym and i asked about treating patients there and they were like oh yeah no problem you mm-hmm. know use it whenever yep. so mm-hmm. um be resourceful that's probably like a good piece of advice yep. <laughs> doing this mm-hmm. um I so mm-hmm. i would say one other interesting point to like the start yeah. of the business, if people are listening that are contemplating starting the business i think mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I learned is like, if you're sitting out there and just like waiting because you're afraid of maybe like the financial, um, uh, the financial commitment of starting, Mm -hmm. like I, I started my practice with probably like $2,000 total. Mm -hmm. It was literally like that group of equipment that I just described and starting an LLC, which was a couple hundred dollars and maybe a few other things and then and that was about all i did to get the ball rolling and then once i started you know seeing patients i basically saved saved all the money that i made for the you know first handful of 100 or 200 visits and then that was all i needed to kind of springboard from there yeah yeah and that's another question that i do get asked a lot is like you know how much is it going to cost and yeah, honestly, like if you're able to save like one or two thousand dollars, and that that even like two thousand is probably even like a top of a budget for a pretty like lean like mobile or you know gym based or whatever practice. So I think that's a really good point. Um, and you should make that back hundred percent within six months. I would say um, people think it has to be this complete like you have to have a website and you have to have this and you have to have that and really what's most important is that you have a couple clients to start <laughs> yes yeah clients <laughs> clients are good yeah. um like we were saying before like definitely if people express interest in your services it's a good indication that that things are going to go well yeah. um but speaking of clients uh one of the questions that i do like to ask on these interviews is you know jeff if i were just starting my practice where do I find clients? What's worked best for you? Um, for me, because I chose to start my practice in the same location that I was kind of already ne- in the network of patients and previous PTs and friends and family and whatnot. Um, uh, honestly, my first couple patients were patients that saw me through the home health company. And mm-hmm. for those people that were requesting you know, me to come see them. And I literally organized the business and then called them up and said, yep, I can come see you. (laughs) That was kind of where I got my start. I mean, I, and 
I had a couple clients that I was seeing in the clinic that chose to follow me into like the private pay kind of realm. Mm -hmm. And I think my, I can remember like who my first four or five patients are and Aww. they're still, and they're still my patients today. So. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Oh my gosh. But I, I think I, what you're getting at is yeah. marketing. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I would say at the beginning, you know, there wasn't much marketing that I was doing. It was more tapping into whatever relationships I could think of to kind of mm -hmm. tell people that I had a business and that got me started enough to start accumulating a little bit of word of mouth. Um, and at the beginning when I was part-time, that was really all, all that I did. I didn't really start marketing more aggressively until I went full-time. Yeah. And I think, you know, even though like you're saying, you know, you didn't do like a ton of marketing, what I really like about this approach is that like when you started, you will like write to your potential customers and talk to them about right. it, you know, mm -hmm. like instead of, like you said, let me build a website and let me do some ads. Let me go talk to other referral sources and just like hope that people are going to come in. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, a, it almost sounds like too simple, but like one of the easiest way to find clients is to go and talk to potential clients and say, hello, would you like to work with me? You know, yeah. or do you know anybody who might, um, and and it doesn't say, have to be super complicated. Well, you fast forward to now, as I'm starting to hire other physical therapists and help them build their practice. Like the first thing we do is, I have them look through their entire cell phone, their entire email list, their entire, like any sort of person that they have any relationship with in the area and draft up an email that tells them that they're starting a practice and this is how it works and that they're asking for word of mouth referrals because to this day, like the word of mouth referral from a previous client is the number one best referral in the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like almost always a hundred percent convertible. Correct. Mm -hmm. every single time yeah. um yeah no that's awesome and that's kind of like the um like the 100 challenge that i ran in the group last year i can't remember if i told you about that or not but it's basically like make a list yeah, of yeah. 100 people yeah. <laughs> and then reach out to them um yeah. you know and like whether or not you like actually sign up a patient or a client from being like either of those things, it really helps to get your momentum going, you know, and you kind of rip the bandaid off of like the fear of like how people might react, you know, mm -hmm. and you just go right into it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, we have another question here. What do you do to market now? Um, so I guess the short answer to that, I guess the way this, the thing that I've had the most success in marketing is to concierge medicine, private um, concierge medicine, private practice physicians. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, <laughs> essentially, they're private pay doctors that uh, uh, patients pay for a membership practice. So I'm, I have the luxury of being in downtown Chicago where there's several of those types of practices. Um, when I brought my admin on Susan her, and I was full time for the first time. Uh, her and I kind of sat down and went through finding as many of those types of practices that we could and started to make phone calls and try and set up meetings and try and get to know who these physicians were. And five years later, those that has also been like, after word of mouth referrals. My best form of marketing has been relationships with physicians, which um, I guess in my observation of the cash PT space and all the mm -hmm. education and podcasting out there, a, a lot of... Uh, people's advice is not necessarily to market to doctors, which I understand that perspective, but at least in my experience, I've 
gotten lucky enough to be able to focus on that and kind of get in, uh, you know, on a text message basis and first name basis with some of these doctors that have sent us people that we've done well with. And, and that's been really good for us. Um, so that will be my main form of marketing right now. Uh, we have, thanks to Morgan, built a new website that we also uh, are proud of and we're getting more traffic on the website uh, and starting to be a little more proactive with trying to generate potential patients, you know, from online sources, but we haven't been as successful in that as we have with the traditional kind of networking type marketing, uh, which has kind of been what I was more confident and comfortable with earlier on. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, I feel like people always want to know what the best type of marketing is. And like, honestly, just like the best type of fitness is the one that you'll do. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. the best type of marketing is the kind, you know, that you feel like you're really good at, you know, that matches like your personality, it matches your values. Um, it's worked before. So we'll keep doing it. Um, and, you know, like, there's always room to try new things and have kind of like primary and secondary version marketing. But, um, you know, if you're newer to this, trying different things is a great idea. And then when you find something that like feels good and also has a return on the time investment, you know, definitely follow with that. Um, and uh, I also like to what you do with, um, you know, you're creating relationships with concierge medicine providers and mm -hmm. you're a concierge medicine provider. So, mm -hmm. you know, like I assume like, you know, you guys speak the same language and that mm -hmm. I think is important when you are reaching out to other providers for like potential like mutual referral relationships mm -hmm. um, versus, you know, I wouldn't necessarily suggest like reaching out to all of the possible like medical providers in the area, especially if your practice philosophies are not similar. Um, yeah. You know, it might not be a great match. I agree. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Like a lot of the doctors that we work with are also like broken off from bigger hospitals. Like I broke off from the bigger PT companies. Um, they tend to be experienced and know that they want to give better care to their patients, essentially. So we, we're both kind of in it uh, for the same reasons, which helps us connect, I, I would admit. Uh, yeah. My experience connect on the front end was kind of like business owner to business owner, because a lot of them are, you know, starting their little couple doctor practices, very similar to what my practice is like. So I kind of connect with them that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's uh, kind of a relationship that naturally happens because, um, they, you know, they want to refer their patients if they're, if they think their patient's going to benefit from physical therapy, they're not wanting to send them to some of these bigger other companies that they used to send to when they were at the hospitals that they had, you know, bad experience with. So we yeah. were positioned in a way where, uh, we could cater to their type of clientele, you know, very nicely. And I think they realized that once they got to know us a little bit more, um, mm -hmm. and then obviously, taking really good care of the first couple referrals that you get from a doctor is super important. Like you have yeah. to uh, do the right thing and wow them and hope that they get better and hope that they're not crazy patients that speak <laughs> negatively of you. Um, so I think I also got lucky that I had a couple like referrals early on from certain doctors that, you know, were really good patients that did really, really well that I made, you know, one of those long-term connections with that then went back and talked to their doctor and told them about us and, I think that's the best marketing to the doctors to have a patient of theirs yeah. that goes back to them and says positive things about us um, yeah. because that sticks in the doctor's head and makes them way more likely to refer to you again. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, when you're 
like as a provider, when you're able to like find other providers that you know your patients like will be safe with and you know will be taken care of, like you said, it's huge. You know, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, all the business stuff, like you know, we are also in it to take care of you know mm -hmm. and to take care of other humans. So let me see, as we are sort of coming to the end of our interview tonight, um, if you had like top three pieces of advice for a, you know, new practice owner or soon to be new practice owner, mm -hmm. only three, <laughs> what, yeah. what would you say? Number one, when you're 75% sure of something, just do it because <laughs> <laughs> you're never going to be a hundred percent certain. That's good advice. <laughs> I think that's number one. Mm -hmm. um, I would say um, number two, I, I, I guess, and this might be more specific to me, but I do recommend starting as a side hustle. I think that was important. That's mm -hmm. an important start, especially for someone who's hesitant and scared or whatnot, but to kind of yeah. like not ditch your primary income right away and kind of dabble a little bit to make sure you know, yeah. your system works and you like it and mm -hmm. it is the right decision for you. I would say start with a side hustle. If you're 75% sure, then do it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and let's see, last piece of advice. Um, I think with every decision you make within the business, always focus on what's best for the patient. That's why if I have a dilemma on something, I always go back to like, okay, in this situation, like what is the best thing for the patient? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's how we're going to do things. And yeah. you know, it always seems to never steer us or me wrong. Yeah. I love that. I think that's a really, like a really good way. Like whenever you're feeling like lost or conflicted, like it's like a North star to look to, you know, when you're like, okay, here's a decision I have to make. And you know, like what are the financial implications or how's it going to affect me, you know, or my team, but like ultimately it's for the patient, um, for sure. you know, and sometimes that can be like scary, especially mm -hmm. like first thing that comes to mind is, you know, if a patient is coming like close to being discharged and they don't really need you anymore, but you don't necessarily have somebody coming in to replace them. Um, I know that that can be something that causes mm -hmm. fear um, mm -hmm. in newer practice owners, because mm -hmm. then you're like, what about the money? Like, where, you know, like, how am I, how am I going to get that back? But, you know, if you put out there, like what you want, you know, like you put out there that you want to be taking care of patients well and do what's best for them, like you said, it's going to come back and you cool. have to like trust that it's going to come back yeah. too. Yeah. If you're focused on like the money side of it, or you put yourself in a situation where uh, you have too much risk and you have to focus on the money side of it, I think that's dangerous. Like, I think yeah. like, we alluded to earlier, like my story of like getting rid of the debt and kind of starting with $2,000 slowly mm -hmm. I think allowed me to focus on the patient at the beginning and, yes. and then not, and then not have to, um, not have to live off the income of the business when it's really small and have mm -hmm. like stability still somewhere else. Yeah. And that then allowed me to accumulate savings in the business to, again, be able to then jump over to another job and have stability still and still be able to focus on the patient. And then the business side kind of took care of itself doing it that way, like mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. Yeah. So trust in the process, mm -hmm. like everybody says. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cool. Um, well, 
thank you so much for all of your wisdom and everything. Um, if uh, anybody here listening, watching, if they want to check out your practice and see more about what you do, where can they find you? Uh, it's www.customfitc.com. So C-U-S-T-O-M-F-I-T, the letter C.com. Um, or you can email me at jeffb at customfitc.com. Awesome. All right. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I know that that was a lot of like really good like tips and information, you know, from somebody who's been doing this for so long and you've had so many like different experiences throughout the business and like different aspects of growth, I suppose, like different phases. Um, so just everybody who's listening, just trust what Jeff says because he's been doing it long enough. So he probably knows some stuff. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um, and if you guys have any other questions, like Jeff said, feel free to reach out to him, reach out to me, comment on the video, um, and let us know if you need anything. So that'll bring us to the end of our interview tonight. Thank you again, Jeff, and hope Thanks everybody has a good me. And anyone who's listening, good luck and uh, get out there and do it. Yay. Awesome. All right. Good night, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I'm honored to be a part of this community of healthcare entrepreneurs, and it is my hope that by sharing and spreading stories, advice, and knowledge to people just like you who want something more, it will inspire you to create the life and career that you dream of. If this sounds like you and you're ready to get your business off the ground, please find me on my website at morganmeese.com or on Instagram at drmorganmeese. Who do you want to hear from next? Or would you like to be featured on this series? Have an idea for a topic that hasn't been covered yet? Please email me at morgan at thewellphysio.com.